Happy Friday, everyone. Thanks to you at home for joining me. I'm really happy to have you today. This is The Delve. Friday, July 24th, and today I'm happy to report that we have crunched the numbers. We have gone over them very closely, and according to our very, very, very careful calculations, we at the Delve have determined that we, us, these United States of America, have passed the halfway mark of the year. Actually, we passed it about three weeks ago, but there's more. We will finally be 100 days away from Election Day come this Sunday. You guys, we are almost there. We are almost at November 3rd. And because we want this year to end so quickly, we're almost at December 31st. But it's a leap year, so there aren't 365 days. There are 366 days this year. At least there will be by the time we get to the end of it, provided the aliens don't get us or, uh, you know, the sun doesn't burn out. And of course it's a leap year. <laughs> you know, it's like the little cherry on top. Honestly, 2020 would have been a catastrophic year if it had stopped three months ago. But we've made it this far, and they cannot make us do that again. And it's astonishing. It is astonishing that this first half of this year alone, more than 145,000 of our fellow Americans did not make it to see this point because of the coronavirus. The New York Times tabulation of the new case numbers shows America shattering records this week for new infections day after day. California has now overtaken New York as the state with the most COVID-19 cases. Florida and Texas have the third and fourth most cases respectively, and they could soon pass both New York and California. So the first half of 2020, which we are through with now, has been, it's been something. We now get to do the second half of 2020, and we can do it. But as we put the first half of this year behind us, as we start what we all hope to be a better second half of this year, Something interesting is happening. There appears to be this weird thing going on in the news. The news just keeps repeating itself. The same stuff keeps happening in slightly different iterations. For example, you might have heard the president on his approach to the coronavirus. It's going to disappear. One day it's like a miracle. It will disappear. And I think we're going to be very good with the coronavirus. I think that at some point uh, that's going to sort of just disappear, I hope. You still believe so? Disappear? Well, I do, I do. Yeah, sure, at some point. And I think we're going to have a vaccine very soon, too. Yeah, yeah, I still believe that. Yeah, I hope. So that, that has been the plan. Hoping for the coronavirus to disappear. As you can see, the president has been residing in this particular subdivision of La La Land for quite some time now. We've heard many iterations of this. This whole, I believe that the virus will disappear. Well, the president has many faults. Many, 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 many faults. <laughs> he has been 
epically consistent on this belief that the virus will vanish. But it hasn't. It didn't disappear after that February press conference. It didn't disappear after that July interview. Because the one true constant in Trump's presidency is tomorrow will be worse. We have now had over 145,000 deaths. Through it all, the president has stuck with the belief that if he believes and hopes hard enough, the virus will disappear. But as of Tuesday, perhaps we're seeing a turn. It will probably, unfortunately, get worse before it gets better. Something I don't like saying about things, but that's the way it is. Wait, 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 what, Mr. President? You said the virus would disappear. You told us in February it'll disappear. You've literally been saying for months it'll disappear. I have you on tape. It wasn't super convincing, but I have you on tape. The coronavirus, you know that, right? Coronavirus. We think we have it very well under control. We have very little problem in this country at this moment. Well, we pretty much shut it down coming in from China. We're going to see what happens, but we did shut it down, yes. You know, a lot of people think that goes away in April with the heat, as the heat comes in. We're in great shape, though. And you know, in April, supposedly, it dies with the hotter weather. Looks like by April, you know, in theory, when it gets a little warmer, it miraculously goes away. I hope that's true. And I think the numbers are going to get progressively better as we go along. We have it very much under control in this country. Because of all we've done, the risk to the American people remains very low. Yeah. No, I don't take responsibility at all. It's all over the world. It's incredible what's happened in such a short period of time. And I've always known this is a, this is a real, this is a pandemic. Well, I, I guess the president has given up. Vice President Biden surely thinks so. You know, he's quit on you. And he's quit on this country. But this election is not just about him. Well, well not so fast, Mr. Vice President. Maybe, maybe he's changed. Maybe he's had a change of heart and strategy. Probably not, but but maybe. Probably not, but maybe. Uh, you've been saying for months that the virus would simply disappear, and now you're saying that it's likely to get worse before it gets better. If it does keep getting worse, if Americans keep dying, are you responsible for that? Well, the virus will disappear. It will disappear. I think that uh, I always like to say as, you know, either way, when you look at it, the governors are working with me. I'm working with the governor. We're working hand in hand. I think we're all responsible. I view it as a team. <laughs> oh, man. Back to square one. I told you the guy's consistent. We'll be right back. As you go through different phases of quarantine, you might have neglected your skin. But don't worry. You can take care of it with Public Skin. Public Skin is an online retailer with specialized products and treatments to give you your best smooth and healthy looking skin. You'll have your skin all of your life, so take care of it. For your best skin, go to publicskin.co today. So in other news, the House of Representatives passed a bill that removes Confederate statues in the Capitol. The legislation was approved with 305 votes in favor, 113 votes against. All of the no votes came from GOP lawmakers, that's Republicans, uh, while 70 Republicans voted to remove the statues. You know, with all that's happening in the country and all of us really just needing a huge collective national hug, this should have been an easy vote. This definitely could have been an easy vote. But somehow, 113 Republicans got that wrong. It's baffling. Representative Karen Bass of California, the leader of the Congressional Black Caucus, said this ahead of the vote. And just imagine what it feels like as an African-American to know that my ancestors built the Capitol. 
but yet there are monuments to the very people that enslaved my ancestors. Those were some passionate words right there, but I guess 113 Republicans didn't hear them. Why? Why was this piece of legislation so difficult to vote for? Why? Why did 113 Republicans vote against removing tributes to traitors to the United States of America? Well, the most common argument was removing the statues could lead to a slippery slope. A slippery slope. It's like saying, oh man, we can't go grocery shopping. Every time I go into Trader Joe's, oh, it's a slippery slope. Oh, I can't start a new Netflix series. Every time I start one, oh, <laughs> oh, it's a slippery slope. Representative Tom McClintock of California said, if we remove memorials to every person in this building who ever made a bad decision, this would be a very barren place indeed. You have that many bad guys memorialized in there? You couldn't replace these bad guys with ethical and moral Americans? We're talking about replacing defenders of sedition against the United States. These folks rebelled and took up arms against us. We're the good guys here. They're the bad guys. Why are we memorializing them? It's weird. More weird is one particular Republican I noticed who voted against this bill. Wyoming Representative Liz Cheney, the daughter of former Vice President Dick Cheney. Wyoming is the least populous and the second most sparsely populated state in the country. Wyoming also became a state in 1890. 1890. Literally 25 years after the Civil War. What connection does Wyoming possibly have to Confederate statues? Congresswoman Janie, that was a weird vote. Wyoming, you deserve better. Continuing on the topic of weirdness in Congresswoman, Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez was accosted on her way to work, her place of work being the U.S. Capitol. She was yelled at by her Republican colleague, Florida Congressman Ted Yoho. He allegedly called her a name I can't repeat because it's profane and bizarre. As the news of the incident spread in the press, mind you, he said it actually in front of some reporters. Representative Yoho kinda sorta apologized. So let me take a moment to address this body. I rise to apologize for the abrupt manner of the conversation I had with my colleague from New York. It is true that we disagree on policies and visions for America, but that does not mean we should be disrespectful. Yeah. Yeah, that's right, Mr. Yoho. We, we should not be disrespectful. We should respect our colleagues and our peers, and of course, especially women. Here's AOC addressing the House floor about the incident. About two days ago, I was walking up the steps of the Capitol when Representative Yoho um, suddenly turned a corner um, and he was accompanied by Representative Roger Williams and accosted me on the steps right here in front of our nation's Capitol. I was minding my own business, walking up um, the steps, and Representative Yoho put his finger in my face he called me disgusting. He called me crazy. He called me out of my mind. Um, and he called me dangerous. And then he took a few more steps. And after I had recognized his, uh, after I had recognized his, his comments as rude, he walked away and said, I'm rude. You're calling me rude. I took a few steps 
ahead and I walked inside and cast my vote um, because my constituents send me here each and every day to fight for them and to make sure that they are able to keep a roof over their head, that they're able to feed their families, and that they're able to carry their lives with dignity. I walked back out and there were reporters in the front of the Capitol and in front of reporters, Representative Yoho called me, and I quote, a fucking bitch. These are the words that Representative Yoho levied against a congresswoman. The congresswoman that not only represents New York's 14th congressional district, but every congresswoman and every woman in this country. Because all of us have had to deal with this in some form, some way, some shape, at some point in our lives. And I want to be clear that Representative Yoho's comments were not deeply hurtful or piercing to me because I have worked a working class job. I have waited tables in restaurants. I have ridden the subway. I have walked the streets in New York City. And this kind of language is not new. I have encountered words uttered by Mr. Yoho and men uttering the same words as Mr. Yoho while I was being harassed in restaurants. I have tossed men out of bars that have used language like Mr. Yoho's. And I have encountered this type of harassment riding the subway in New York City. This is not new. And that is the problem. Mr. Yoho was not alone. He was walking shoulder to shoulder with Representative Roger Williams. And that's when we start to see that this issue is not about one incident. It is cultural. It is a culture of lack of impunity, of accepting of violence and violent language against women, and an entire structure of power that supports that. Because not only have I been spoken to disrespectfully, particularly by members of the Republican Party and elected officials in the Republican Party, not just here, but the President of the United States last year told me to go home to another country with the implication that I don't even belong in America. The governor of Florida, Governor DeSantis, before I even was sworn in, called me a whatever that is. Dehumanizing language is not new. And what we are seeing is that incidents like these are happening in a pattern. This is a pattern of, of an attitude towards women and dehumanization of others. You can't make this stuff up. Ted Yoho represents Florida's third congressional district. The district surrounds uh, Gainesville. He has a primary, actually, on August 18th. Perhaps Republican voters will place him with someone more respectful. Probably not. Roger Williams, the other congressman involved in the incident, represents Texas's 25th district. It borders both Austin and Fort Worth. Texas has already held their primary, but you can vote them both out on November 3rd. If you haven't heard AOC's full remarks, you should give them a listen. They were pretty remarkable. And on that note, make sure you're registered to vote out there. Especially you folks out in Wyoming. Oh man, Kanye West just registered to vote in Wyoming. And that's the Delph. See you next week.